0: chapter number four Romans chapter number four it is so good to have you with us today we're going to continue a series uh, we call uh, started last week called overcoming discouragement and if you're joining us online on Facebook live appreciate you being a part of our service today turn to Romans chapter 4 if you have your Bibles you have a tablet today if you have your phone however you can access the Word of God if you're new to grace we're going to put Uh, These scriptures up on the screen you could follow along there as well but uh, if you've been coming for a while I always encourage you to bring your Bibles to church and follow along with us there and so I want to talk to you about overcoming discouragement because if you look at our world and everything that's happening and all that people are facing it is easy to become discouraged. And I just see it. I see it on people's faces. I hear it in their voice. They're trying to work something out. They're trying to get an opportunity to come to pass. They're, they're really looking forward to things, and all of a sudden something happens and discouragement sets in. And so I've heard a lot of messages on faith over many years of, of my life, but I haven't heard too many messages on hope. And so I want to talk to you about hope today. I want to talk to you about the power of hope. Now, if you allow me a few minutes, I just want to review for a minute because I read last week from Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, it's like the the author of that psalm is having a conversation with himself. And in verse 5, here's what he says. He actually asks himself a question, and it says this in Psalms 42. It says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? And then it goes on to say, why are you disquieted within me? Why are you so downcast? Why are you disquieted within me? And then it's like he answers his own question. Put your hope in God. Why are you so downcast? Put your hope in God. And we don't use the word disquieted a lot, but what that actually means is it means you're mumbling to yourself. You're kind of talking to yourself. You're, you're so frustrated, you just begin to mumble. You just kind of begin to talk to yourself. And, and, but they, they in talking to themselves, it's like they discovered the answer to discouragement. And the answer to discouragement is always the same. It's hope. That there would be hope. There is hope. But there's a definition for hope in the Word of God that we don't find in society, because in society, we treat hope as if it's almost like positivity. I'm filled with hope. huh? I'm hoping that things work out. I'm, I'm holding on to hope. In other words, I'm holding on to positivity. But that's not the biblical definition of hope. That's just positivity, right? And we, we should be positive. I, I kind of want to meet positive people. I mean, a you know, positive better than negative. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> when I was pastoring up in North Florida, I had this lady that I would ask her what, how, how are you doing today? And then I just stopped because I got the same answer every time. I tell my wife, I was like, I can't ask her how she's doing. Every time I ask her, it's the same thing. Oh, my achiness and my, my brokenness and oh, I got no this and no that. I mean, it was just like she was going to tell you exactly how she was doing, right? And all of it was negative. So I'd rather meet a positive person than a negative person, amen? But hope is not just positivity, right? Hope is not, because here's, we define kind of what hope is not. Hope is not just a, some, some wishful thinking, just desire for a positive outcome in the future. That's not what hope is. I said this last week. I said, number one, hope is an anchor. It is an anchor. Now, I don't boat. I, I don't even know a lot about boating, but I imagine that if you were someone who's on a boat a lot or you've done some boating, you know a lot about anchors. And what you do with an anchor is you simply throw an anchor overboard and you're trying to get that anchor to hold on to something that is secure, that doesn't move. You don't put the anchor into sand You know, just knowing that the sand's just going to drag on because then what's the point? You're wanting that anchor to catch something, to dig into something so that the boat doesn't move. Well, listen, the boat is your life and hope is the anchor that you throw out, believing that that anchor is going to grab a hold of something that is going to keep the boat, your life, from moving when the waves come, right? Right? And so we said this last week, hope is an anchor. But what is that thing that hope is holding on to? And the Bible tells us what it is. And I want to read to you again from Hebrews chapter 6. And this is from the Amplified Version. And I want to start actually and work our way backwards because verse 19 says, This hope, this confident assurance we have as an anchor of the soul It cannot slip and it cannot break under whatever pressure bears upon it. It is a safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple, that most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. Here's what it says. Hope is an anchor that cannot slip and cannot break under pressure. Well, what is a hope anchored to? He answers it in the previous verse. Watch what it says. In verse 17 and 18, speaking of Abraham, in the same way God, the same promise that God gave to Abraham is what he's saying, in his desire to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervene and guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, to Abraham, right? His promise and his oath to Abraham in which it is impossible to, for God to lie. We who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us, for that hope is an anchor. Listen, here's what the anchor catches. Here's what the anchor lands on that is secure in the spiritual world, right? Right? it lands onto the promise that God can't lie. That's what hope finds. It doesn't find that that God may or may not come through for you. It finds this, that if God said it, he'll make good on it. If he spoke it, it will come to pass. Because here's the truth that you need to nail down deep in your spirit. God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. That's why we can put our hope in him. Amen? That's the secure anchor. And I want to talk to you today about what else, something else hope is. Number one, it's an anchor. But number two, hope is an eternal spring. An eternal spring. Now, I used to live in North Florida. In fact, I spent 11 years of my life in North Florida And in North Florida, we have these things called springs. There's a lot of springs up in North Florida. I've been to so many of them. And it's just this water that is coming up from the ground. Well, the truth is, is that all of North Florida, if you dig deep enough, you can reach a water table that all has this natural water under there. And many people who live in North Florida, many of the places that I used to live, you would actually get your water from a well and you wouldn't need to even filter it. I mean, that water was like pure water coming up from a spring. It was spring water. But if it hadn't rained, if the water table got to a certain place, you would find that sometimes this would happen to people that their well would actually go dry. So here's what they had to do. They had to dig a little deeper. They would actually hire a company that company would come out, it would take their pump and, and remove the pump, and then it would bring a machine that would begin to pound that pipe, and they would put a, another pipe there, and they would pound it down, and they would dig until they actually got water. Because there is water there, you just have to dig a little deeper. Do you hear me now? Let me tell you, here's what I, I want you to know this morning. There's hope there, right? You're looking at situations with your family, your finances. You're looking at relationships, and you're just wondering, is there any hope? There's hope there. You just have to dig a little deeper. You just have to go and find it, amen, because there's hope there. The devil will tell you it's hopeless, Right? And there are forces working against you that are trying to tell you there's no hope. When I was in North Florida, we were pastoring a church there, and watch this. I was, I was actually, we were in a small church, and, man, we were struggling financially, and things were really difficult. But, but I was making an, a little extra money as a substitute teacher. So I would go into these schools. We only had three schools. Elementary, the middle school, and the high school—that was it. And I would work as a substitute, and so I, would, I mostly did high school, and then I started to do middle school. They called me once for elementary school, and I said, "Don't ever, <laughs> call, don't ever call me again." Those kids, I couldn't. I thought it's kindergarten. One kid was outside, like he he lost to the bathroom. I mean, it was just like. I said, don't lose my phone number. Don't call me again. So I mostly, did, I mostly did high school. But I was doing 10th grade English. In fact, I was on campus the day before, and a teacher had said to me, hey, Mr. Rosenberger, you're going to be in my class tomorrow. Just let you know, here's the lesson plan. We're actually going to be watching a movie, and so the kids are going to have to take notes. And has, but the movie's a little scary, so make sure that they don't, Make any noises, you know, act up or anything. I'm like, hey, no problem. I got this. She walks away. I'm like, I don't do scary movies. I don't do spooky. I don't do horror. Nope. Haven't done that in years, okay? So we started watching this movie called The Others. Now, the desk in this classroom was in the back, and all the kids were in the front. So they're facing the TV. And I'm in the back, freaking out. I've got a death grip on the desk because I'm watching this movie called The Others. And in the movie, it's set in like the old days and they're in this big house and the house has spirits in it and they're moving stuff, playing pianos. I'm like, I'm about ready to freak out. And there's this one scene, I'll never forget it, where the actress opens the door and the door closes on its own. And she opens the door and the door closes on its own. And then she gets this look on her face and she opens the door, boom! The door shuts just like that. When that door shut, I let out a scream (laughs) as if a 10-year-old girl had just saw Harry Styles in the mall, that kind of scream, high-pitched scream, and all 32 heads turned around, and they lost it, right? Because I'm I'm standing up screaming like, where's the door? I'm out of here. I've never watched the rest of that movie. I don't care about it, but I know this. I thought about that when I was studying for this message because I thought, you know, that's a lot like our spiritual life. We're trying to open a door, and the devil's trying to close it, right? Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, listen, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but what do we wrestle against? Principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, There are forces working against you. Did you hear me now? You're trying to open a door and the devil's trying to close it. And you're trying to open a door. You're trying to get an opportunity to come to pass. You're trying to make a relationship work. You're trying to get a promise of God to come to pass. And every time it seems like you are holding on to hope and you're believing for something, it's as if something is trying to close the door so that opportunity passes you by. And what you have to do is you have to just... Just dig a little deeper and find that eternal spring that is hope. Amen? And you can't let go of your hope. You cannot let go of your hope. Listen, in Romans chapter 4, if you're there today, I want to read to you because in these few verses, it's like God gives us a blueprint. I mean, it's just there in black and white when he talks about the promises of God that were over Abraham's life. Abraham was promised by God a son. The catch was he was 100. His wife was 90. They were long past, somebody say long past, long past the ability to have children. I'm talking about immaculate conception. I'm talking about this would have been a miracle, but God spoke it over him. God said to him, you're gonna have a son and you're gonna have generations of children as As many as the stars in the sky, so shall your descendants be. That was the promise of God. Now watch this. Concerning Abraham, Romans chapter 4, verse 18 says, who contrary to hope, see right there? Contrary to hope. The Bible says, and the King James says, against hope. In other words, the devil was trying to close that opportunity, close that door, get him into doubt, get him into unbelief, right? Right? caused him to come up empty when he was believing for something. It was contrary to hope. In the natural, it looked hopeless. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. That means he dug deep. Did you hear me now? He just dug deep. In hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Let me give you three things right here. Three things that are going to help you dig deeper. Number one, you can't consider your own abilities. You can't consider your own abilities. Right? You can't lean on your own ability to get it done. Number one, the first thing Abraham had to determine is that in the natural, it's not going to happen. It's impossible. I'm 100. She's not 100, but she's close. Huh? I mean, she's still beautiful. Hello. But she's, she's a little older now. I'm as old as dirt. I mean, I mean, it's just like, how is it going to happen? And the first thing that has to happen is you have to figure it out. I can't do this on my own. I can't do it in my own ability. Remember I talked about being in North Florida with those wells running dry? Well, let me just tell you about what the dirt is like up there. There's no sugar sand up there. You can dig about two or three feet. And after you get about two or three feet, you hit this thing called lime rock. And let me tell you, you can sharpen that shovel all you want. Come on, you can get the file out and you can sharpen that shovel. You, in your own strength and your own ability, you're never going to be able to dig through it. That's why they bring the machine out. That's why they have something that pounds that pipe into the ground. Because you can't do it on your own. It takes something beyond yourself to get to where the water is. And the same is true for the promise of God in your life. If you could do it yourself, you'd already have it. Amen? What would you need God for? Huh? Listen, if you think you could do it by yourself, go for it. But I've come to the place where I've realized I can't do it on my own. It's not going to happen. I've tried it and failed. Now I just need to lean on God because he's the only one that can bring the promises of God to pass in my life. I have come to the point where I have to let go of my own ability and let God come through for me. Amen. I can't do it on my own. I have to trust him. And Abraham just said, okay, it's got to be God. It's not going to happen in the natural. It's got to be God. So I'm going to trust him. I'm going to not trust in my own self. I'm going to trust in God. And it says this in verse 19, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, right? and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He's about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And verse number 20 says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, given glory to God. Watch this. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. In the King James, it says he staggered not. He staggered not at the promise of God, the waver. The word waver in the Greek is an interesting word because it actually means to decide. He did not waver between two opinions, between two choices. He did not waver. He made a decision that he was going to obey and listen to the voice of God and believe the promise of God. Here's how we make decisions. We have a couple choices. And we say, okay, I'm going to go through the decision-making process. I'm going to go through the pros and cons, and we make a list, and we say, okay, here's the pros. If I go this direction, then I'm going to do this. This is going to happen, but there's some negatives there. And so then we go, well, what if I make this choice? Let's list out the pros and cons over here, and can we weigh them out, right? And that's called wavering. That's called having two different choices and weighing out the options, And the Bible says that Abraham did not waver at the two different choices. Here's what he did. He said, God, if you said it, that settles it. And here's what happens is because the first thing I said is this. You can't consider your own abilities, number one. Number two, you can't talk yourself out of the promise of God. You can't talk yourself out of the promise of God. And you know what happens many times? Is we talk ourselves out of the promises of God because we talk ourselves into another choice. You know what I'm saying? We just talk ourselves into another choice because we're weighing out pros and cons. Let me tell you, with God, there's no cons. So there's no, there's no option. It's, for him, it's all good so we don't need to weigh out if the promise of God is good or not. Let me just tell you, if God said it, that's the choice to make. But we talk ourselves out of it because time goes by. We talk ourselves out of it because we haven't seen it come to pass. We let the promise of God just, just fall to the ground. We keep, we keep it just some distant memory. We don't keep speaking it. We don't keep rehearsing it. We don't keep talking about it. And we let promises just drift off. And let me tell you, I'm guilty of that. As a Christian, as a pastor, I've had it happen myself. This building is actually a promise from God because we had a prophetic word. Somebody came to our church and they spoke prophetically over this church and they said, God's going to give you a building and it's going to be on a major street because they said thoroughfare and nobody uses that word. And they said, thoroughfare, God's going to give you a, a building on a major street in Palm Beach County. And we thought, we don't have any money. H- how is this going to happen? But when they spoke it, we went, "Woo! yeah, you know how you do, you know what I mean? You shake a little bit, I mean, you know what I mean, like, woo. you know, but <laughs> some of you are like, no, I don't do that. But anyway, I did, okay, so, so we, we, we all shouted But you know what, time passed, and a year went by, and then another year went by, and hope deferred, right, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, all right, and in the message translation, paraphrase I should say of that, the message paraphrase says, unrelenting disappointment. And some of you are facing situations where time has been the enemy. Hope has been deferred. It's been delayed. Disappointment has been unrelenting. Time passed, and more time passed, and more time passed. And we stopped praying for a building. We stopped believing for a building. I just let the promise just kind of drift off. And I remember because I was on vacation in July of 2012, and I was sitting there reading a book. And I was reading a book and I was reading about believing the promises of God and, and putting your faith to action. And, and all of a sudden something stirred in me and I texted the entire staff and I said, hey, when I get back from vacation, I want us to fast and pray for three days and we're gonna start believing God for a building. And so I got back, that was in July of 2012. I got back, we met in August for three days of prayer and fasting, and we were just believing for a building. We were just believing for something supernatural. And then here's what we did. We would have staff meetings once a week during the daytime at the, at the office that we were renting. And immediately after staff meeting, I would send people off. We had six people in the office, I would send them off in pairs of two, and we would go pray over buildings in Wellington and Royal Palm Beach. We were just praying over buildings. We didn't even want them to know what we were doing. We would just sneak up on a building, you know what I'm saying? And we would just kind of like put our hands on it, and we were just praying. Now, we weren't praying the businesses closed down, but we were praying they'd move, We pray and they would grow so big that they'd have to move to another building and God would give us this one. And so we just went from building to building to building. And we started doing that for weeks, right? We started doing that for weeks. And we would just go to buildings that were empty. Some of them were occupied and we just did it. We didn't know which buildings to hit. We were just trying to find buildings that were big enough to have a church in. And we did that for several months. Now watch what happened. In August, when we met for three days of fasting and prayer, the pastor who was meeting at this church decided to sell the building. We didn't see it immediately, but he made that decision. Several months later, there was a sign up that was out there on Southern Boulevard for sale. Somebody came to me and they said, Pastor, did you see that church that's for sale in Loxahatchee. I said, no, I didn't. I immediately drove over here, right? I drove over here and I just felt like this was God. Hallelujah. And that was in November. In January, we announced we're going to buy the building. We raised money for months and we closed on this building A year after we met for three days of fasting and prayer, here's what we did. We had lost hope. All my fault. We had lost hope but we dug, come on somebody, we dug a little bit deeper and we found that there's still hope there the promise of God hadn't changed over the church, God had still promised us a building we just had to dig a little deeper to get some hope to come back up again so that the promise of God would come to pass and here we are years later walking in the promises that we begin to believe God over because we put our hope as an anchor in the truth that God said it. He was going to bring it to pass. We knew hope was there and we dug deep and we got it. Somebody give God praise. Amen. Listen, you just have to dig a little deeper sometimes. And you cannot talk yourself out of the promises of God. You cannot let those promises die. Some of you need to revive some dreams You need to dig a little deeper on some things that were spoken over you. You need to dig a little deeper over what God has said over you and your family and your finances and your future. Hallelujah. You just got to dig a little deeper. It's there. It's down in there. Don't talk yourself out of the promises of God. You keep speaking the promises of God over your life. Amen. And then watch this in the rest of verse 20. It says this. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had, he had promised, he was also able to perform. Ooh, hallelujah. Fully convinced. Fully convinced. You know, I said years ago that everybody ought to have a life verse. You ought to have a life verse. A life verse is just that one go-to verse. Somebody says, hey, quote a scripture, boom. It's that one verse you go to, right? It's you've memorized it. You know where it is. You keep speaking it. Whenever tragedy happens, you go to that verse. Whenever adversity comes, you go to that verse. It's that one verse that just kind of blesses you, touches you, and that one verse that you've just got. And I, I, I asked people to, to write down and send me their life verse, and I heard so many great life verses. But mine has always been the same, Ephesians 3.20. Now God is able. God is able, right? God is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think according to the power that works in us. And you know what? I've got that verse and I say it all the time over and over again. I just keep reminding myself this promise. You know, God's able. I don't know how he does it sometimes. I just know that he's able. He's able, amen. I got it as a screensaver on my iPad. Actually, we bought a car, and you could put you could put you know a, a screensaver on the screen of the car. And so I put "Now God is able" on the screensaver of the car. I got it everywhere. I just constantly reminding myself that my God is able. That if He spoke it, He also can bring it to pass, amen. Listen, we have to hold on to that promise. Because listen, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 10, verse 30. It says this, let us hold on, Hold. actually it says this, let us hold fast to what? The confession of our hope without wavering. For he who is promised is what? Faithful. He's a faithful God. I'm gonna ask Pastor Mark to come back up to the, keyboard today. I want you to know this. In fact, that, that actually verse, the word hold and the word fast is actually the same word. It's just a repeating. It's just a repeating word. In other words, it actually says this, let us hold hold. Hold hold. Hold tightly. Hold hold. It's an emphasis there to the confession what? Of our hope. For he who has promised is faithful. You can't waver. Can I just remind you, number one, you cannot lean on your own ability. You can't even consider your own ability, your own talent. Let me tell you that nest egg, that savings that you've got, it's important, have savings, get a nest egg. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything right about that. You ought to have that. But we just can't put our trust in it. We got to put our trust in God. Your abilities, your talents, they're never enough. You want to see the promise of God come to pass in your life? Number one, you can't lean on your own abilities. Don't even consider it. Trust in God. Number two, you cannot let the promise of God go. You cannot talk yourself out of what God has promised. And I know it's difficult when you see Situations, and you look at them and you go, you know, I just don't know if this will ever change. Stop saying that. Turn your words around. In spite of what I see, I trust God. I believe God. Amen. And you keep speaking the promises of God over your life. And then you have to know this. If he promised it, he's able to perform it. Amen. God's able to do it. We don't even need to pray and give Him hints, right? We don't even need to give Him suggestions. Just trust Him. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. I'm going to ask you to dig a little deeper, right? And let's hold on to some hope and let's find a well. Let's find that eternal spring, that well of hope that's deep down in there.